Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is October 29th, 2023. We've got a special homily for you today as it talks about the Reformation. It talks about the baptism that we will celebrate just before or shortly before the homily in worship and um, keying on a phrase from Isaiah 43. As you, <clears throat> excuse me, probably know the homily title is The God Who Does New Things. And that's what the homily is about. And it looks back in history, it looks at the baptism, and uh, both biblical history and the Reformation for history outside scripture. And um, ends with a question, you know, what's, what, is, what new things are God, is God doing in, in your life and in the life of our church? And it, as you belong to other congregations, I hope you'll ask yourself, what might God be doing? What new things, what rivers in the desert might God be bringing to your congregation, to your house of worship? So today is a special Sunday. The message is a little shorter because whenever there's a baptism, I try to make it a little more brief. This will be our 201st podcast of The Red-Headed Preacher. If you can um, believe that, it kind of surprised uh, Laura Olson, who puts this all together and sends it out to you all. Um, the last week was our 200th episode, our 200th cast. So things fly when you're having fun and when you're preaching the word. And so this is our 201st. So we are glad about that, and we thank you for listening, wherever and whenever you have, or whenever, wherever you are. Secondly, next Sunday there will not be a podcast for November 5th, because I will be taking a seven-day vacation, which includes Sunday, November 5th. So I'll be back in the pulpit on the 12th, and I'm going to start a two-Sunday series, if a series can be made up of two, probably not, a pair. Of, of messages around stewardship, different aspects of it. And uh, I'll, let, um, I'll let those messages speak for themselves, give you something to look forward to, but right now I offer you the, the message for this Sunday, The God Who Does New Things. Our lector is Beth Sturba, one of the lay leaders in our congregation. May God bless you as you listen. And now, here we go with the scriptures. As we celebrate not only a baptism, but also Reformation Sunday, we remember that one of the main beliefs about the Reformation was the centrality of the scriptures. Preaching the word became more significant to reformers than the Lord's Supper, which was the central, essential heart of Roman Catholic worship. As we are now about to listen to some of God's word, please join me in the spirit of prayer asking the Spirit to shine more light on our understanding of what we hear and how to live it out. Let us pray. God, here is your word. With it you teach and inspire, comfort and direct your people in the past and even now. Move your spirit in our midst as these ancient but living words are heard anew. Isaiah speaks of you doing a new thing. Do new things in us as we listen. Build us up so that we may turn and build up those around us. In the name of Jesus, the Word made flesh, we pray. Amen. The first reading is from the book 
of the prophet prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 14 through 21. These words point to the reestablishment of Jerusalem and Israel after the long exile in Babylon. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send you to Babylon and break down all the bars and the shouting of the Chaldeans will be turned to lamentation. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I form for myself, so that they may declare my praise. This ends the reading from Isaiah. Our epistle lesson was integral to the Protestant Reformation, as verses within it sparked a spiritual awakening within Martin Luther. That ended up revealing itself in the Reformation's cry that are justified to God by faith, not good works. The passage is Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, then chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, The one who is righteous will live by faith. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on the grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom we believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This ends the reading from Romans. This, excuse me, will those who are able please stand for the reading of the gospel lesson. This morning it is Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16. Why it was chosen will be evident as soon as I begin reading it. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Here ends the reading of the gospel and the scriptures for this morning's service. May God grant us a wise and joyful understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God. You and I are about new things this morning. As we partner with God, God brings us along into fresh events that God is overseeing, new things that God is overseeing which change lives. Here's one. Braxton Meggs has been baptized. 
This is an old sacrament which symbolizes a coming to new life. The symbol is water. And let's remember what a symbol is. And I didn't learn this till after college, probably. It's a sign. It points away from itself to something else. But just as important, unlike a sign, a symbol partakes in the reality to which it's pointing. A symbol participates in the reality to which or to whom it points. That in itself is not new, but this morning's baptism is part of the new. Braxton and his baptism are God's new. There is now what did not exist at 10 a.m. this morning. God's sacramental claim on Braxton in the hopes he, in turn, claims the God of Jesus Christ as his God. We have all made a covenant to raise him and support this raising in the knowledge and the love of God. The symbolic, there's our word again, the symbolic water of God's cleansing grace anointed his forehead in the shape of the cross and in the name of the Trinity. A symbol participating in the reality it points to the water, the cleansing. God is doing new things right here and now. We're also celebrating the new things, the then new things, that God did when Martin Luther nailed 95 theses or sentences for academic debate on the door of Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. It didn't happen in a vacuum. But all the same, this act seemed to be the one that triggered the Protestant Reformation. As a result, over time, especially under Luther's direction, God did a lot of new things. Luther translated the Bible into German, in the German vernacular. Johannes Gutenberg, having recently created the printing press, now it was possible to have a printed copy of the Bible in your native German language. That was a new thing on two counts. Although costly at first, I'm sure, ultimately that meant that any who wanted a Bible in German and later in other languages could have it and could have it in their home. Worship changed from Latin to German so the common people could better understand what was going on during church. The Lord's Supper came to include the cup being shared with the congregation, no longer being mostly the privilege of the priesthood. Luther championed the gospel of being saved not by our good works, but by God's grace in Jesus Christ, received by faith. And the idea also came from him of the, the priesthood of all believers. He said we are all to be like little Christs unto one another, the priesthood of all believers. He attacked the need for a papacy, as it was a corrupt system in his day. And from him came other work by people who were contemporaries and later, like Ulrich Zwingli, John Calvin, and many, many other reformers. The Reformation was one of the most significant events in Western civilization in over 500 years. God was doing new things on a very big scale, and its effects are felt to this morning. In the days of Isaiah 43, God was doing a new thing for the Israeli exiles in Babylon. We heard Beth. Thus says the Lord, 
who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert and bring to life things that do not now exist. In Isaiah, did you recognize any images that Isaiah used? The things of old, as the prophet said. The Lord was using imagery and the prophet was using imagery from the original exodus from Egypt such as the vanquished chariots and the warriors, to portray the new thing God was going to do then for them. A second exodus, a fresh liberation. God was back to the promised land. God was about to do a new thing for the Jewish people. And as we easily see just from the Reformation and the celebration of baptism, God has been doing and is still doing new things for God's people and for the world in which we live. And in Jesus, God was doing a whole bunch of new things. One of them was the love and respect he showed to children. In Mark 9, the chapter before ours, Jesus elevated children. In verse 42 of chapter 9, he told the disciples, if any one of you put a stumbling block Before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Now, could he have meant disciples at any age and not just little ones? John refers to believers as little children, especially in the first letter of John. Yes, it could, but why could it not mean both? Those who believe in Jesus regardless of age and little children who believe. Now, kids did not have any social standing in those days, and in the Roman Empire, among Romans, it was very low. And it is to their low status Jesus speaks and then lifts them up by saying that if one messes with the faith of of one of even them, a millstone drowning would be justice. That's how precious someone considered lowly is to him. Don't mess with them or serious stuff can happen to you, or should happen. For those surrounding Jesus, this is God doing a new thing. He's elevating the value of children. And then in our lesson, Jesus rebuked the disciples who tried to block the children's access to him. He was, quote, indignant. He was PO'd. What are you doing? Let the children come to me. Do not stop them. For to such, it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. That stained glass window is right by the baptismal font for a reason. The story it tells is of people bringing children. Jesus is extending an arm to receive them. Two disciples in the upper left-hand corner going, hmm, what's going on? Because he just you know, chastised them. It's by the font for a, a reason to tell this story. Christ says, rather than hinder the children, The disciples need to learn from them how to be blessed. Now that's not a quote, but that's in essence what he is saying. He gathered them up. 
He put his hands on them. And he blessed them. He didn't go, oh, okay, kids. No. The physical touch of intimacy and warmth. The kingdom of God belongs to people who are like children. You could say that for Jesus to say that is a thoroughly subversive idea. Kids. Kingdom of God. This was a new thing for those who saw God acting in Christ. Now Jesus so then is more than cool hanging with kids. Lamar Williamson Jr. wrote, Marx is the fullest and most warmly human version of the traditional story. And it has had a quiet but steady influence in the life of the church through the centuries. He added that Jesus saying, let the little children come to me, do not stop them, shows Jesus' positive attitude towards children and affirms a positive relationship between children and the kingdom of God. When we read the Old Testament, we know that the Lord used children for God's purposes. Samuel is an example. Young boy David is another. Yet hearing of how Jesus spoke of children and to them, this sounds like an extra dimension of caring. Another thing God was doing is the same thing the Reformation rediscovered, and by it we continue to find our spiritual lives renewed today. That is that we are given forgiveness and right standing with Almighty God by trusting God's grace, by faith in God's grace. God did the heaviest lifting, giving us his son, giving his son up for us. We receive the kingdom and are moved to live by its values as a response to God's grace. In Jesus, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. It's a gift. And receiving it like a little child is what God asks. Now what does that mean? Receiving it like a little child. Lamar Williamson Jr. said, the dependence of children who cannot support themselves but expect and receive support from parents becomes a metaphor for entering the kingdom of God. The key phrase here is receive like a child. Ron Kernigan suggests that a child would receive the kingdom as something to which he or she was not entitled. It is not a matter of privilege or right. It is not even a matter of covenant, although Mark takes, Mark takes pains to portray God as one who keeps covenant even with those who are faithless. The kingdom comes as a gift. Here's a gift coming to you. Receive it. He says, we receive it in the same way we receive our worth. They both come as unearned expressions of God's love and righteousness. We worship and serve the God who does new things. In closing, let me ask you, aside from right here this morning, what new things might God be doing? Is Jesus touching you? in some way as he touched and blessed the children? Is the Spirit bringing back to life something within you which had died? Rivers flowing in the desert. How about St. Peter's? We talk about our future and our planning further discussions. Who is God calling us to be in the coming years? Is it to be active in reaching out to asylum seekers and migrants?
to become vocally and physically active in healing the earth or in publicly addressing the false gospel of white Christian nationalism? Is it to learn more and become more proactive as regards the concerns of LGBTQ plus people as a truly open and affirming church? And there are other ideas, but these are followed by questions like, what new things can our stretched membership friends and staff take on and what would have to take a back seat or be stopped in order that something new from God can begin and flow and grow. Our God did and does and will do new things and for that we say Alleluia. Amen. I did enjoy preaching that message, and I enjoyed the last line as well, that, that God has done, is doing, and will continue to do, will do in the future, new things. As they spring forth, will we not perceive them? That is God's desire that we perceive them. And <clears throat> that's just an, an amazing thing to claim, an amazing faith statement to make and to enjoy and celebrate and look around for God doing new things. The kid was perfect at the baptism. Things went almost to, really as smoothly as possible. And, you know, you have been, you listeners, if you've been listening the last handful of weeks, have gotten some long, long messages. And uh, today you get to get out a little early because this one was shorter as I explained at the beginning, when there's a sacrament, I try to shorten the message to compensate for the amount of time that it takes to do the sacrament in the hour of worship, because I try to keep our worship services to an hour. That's, you know, hit and miss, but I, but I try. I think it's important. There's an unspoken covenant within, uh, with you and the people that come that to try to stick to 60 minutes, that we cannot put God in a box and sometimes the service needs to be a little longer if the Spirit is moving. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your listening on our 201st podcast of The Red-Headed Preacher. May God be with you, and may God bless your week. Amen. See you in two weeks. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 